today, especially those who are here with us for the first time, and invite you at the conclusion of the service to be sure to um, head straight out to, into the uh, atrium and just keep going straight. You went right into the welcome table where someone can welcome you and probably have uh, um, some kind of fresh um, bake provision uh, for you. And I hope you'll enjoy that. And also ask that everyone please uh, uh, sign in the who's who in the pew pad. It's somewhere in front of you and pass it back. And fourth, might be able to uh, see who you're worshiping with and greet them um, uh, now as we uh, uh, share with one another the, the peace and grace that Jesus gives to us in our forgiveness. That we can't keep it for our own. We have to share it um, with one another. So invite you to pass the peace of Christ to each other and invite children into children and worship through those doors. Christ to you, Diego. Peace of Christ uh, to you all. As, uh, as we just heard Rachel share with us that uh, our grown-up Christmas wishes, you know, I think that's a, a great phrase even for the, the, the series that we've been uh, going through during Christmas. You know, what are the, the changes that Christmas brings in um, our lives, in, in the life of, of God's people? And, you know, we've, we've talked about how it's a... Uh, Christmas is an invitation to all people. You know, that there is no one that's left out. That Jesus comes for any and all. doesn't matter where you're from, who your mama or daddy are. It doesn't matter um, what you have or what you don't have. The invitation is to all. No one is left out. And that it is grace for all. It's, it's the work of God for you. I mean, you, you can't add anything to God's love. You, you, you're not left out, and you don't have to work it out because Jesus already has on the cross. And today, we'll look at how the change that, that Christmas brings, that the, the, the birth of Jesus is justice for all, that no one is pushed down, that all 
are lifted up. And, and what the passage we'll see where that is most pronounced is, is in the song of Mary. Mary's song as she is carrying the Son of God in her womb. She meets with Elizabeth, and, and there and Elizabeth is carrying John, um, the forerunner of the Son of God, in her womb. And there Mary, in a sense, breaks into song, what you may have heard it called the Magnificat. But she tells us there of what's the change that the child she carries is going to bring. Justice for all. I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 1, uh, starting with verse 46. It's at the very bottom right-hand corner of page 831 in your pew Bible. Or you can uh, follow along on the screen or whatever form um, you have the scriptures in. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Gracious God, we ask that your spirit would so fill and, and lead us, would open our ears, uh, open our, soften our hearts so that, that we might hear from you, receive you, and, and, and follow into the, the wonderful ways of change that you bring um, to us because of Christmas. Speak to us. Set aside distractions that we might hear from you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Luke uh, chapter 1, starting with verse uh, 46. Hear the word of the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has looked with favor on the lowliness of His servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is His name. His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy according to the promise He made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now now notice the the theme of what what Mary is saying here. How she speaks of of God's power coming down and lifting up. God's power coming down and, and taking down those that are in powerful positions who don't use that power and resource in order to lift up those that are around them. Verse uh, uh, 48, uh, Mary sees how God has looked with favor on her, her own lowliness as His servant. And that now, this lowly servant girl is now going to be called blessed for all generations. Verse 49, the the Mighty One has done great things for me. Verse 51, now this Mighty One is going to show His strength with His arm and He's going to scatter those that are proud in the thoughts of their hearts. This Mighty One with the strength of His arm, He's going to bring down the powerful from their thrones, those that are in positions of authority. 
He's going to bring them down. And He's going to lift up the lowly, those that have no power and authority and influence. He's filled the hungry with good things. Not just the hungry for food, but for the hungry for for what is right and what is good. He will provide and fill them with good things because those around them are not providing them for those good things. They're, They're keeping them down. So he's going to send the rich away empty. Now that's sort of a catching word right there, isn't it? I got bad news for you. Everybody in here, you're rich. In the world, the world scheme of things, most people in the world, you know, live on two dollars a day. You know, most people in the world do not have access to free education. Most people in the world do not eat three meals a day. Do not have a solid roof over their head. If you're in that group, then you're rich. You have resource and influence. It's amazing to, when we read passages like this, how quickly we want to say, yeah, I'm hungry and not rich because we want to have the good things and not be swept away. But what Mary is, is bringing out is that this change that this one is going to bring is, is he's going to bring justice. He will bring so that no one will be lowly. No one will be oppressed. No one will be um, devalued. And and those who have the resource to, to help lift them up and they're not doing it, then He will take them down from their positions. There will not be groups of people who are oppressed, mistreated, and devalued. That's the change that Christmas is to bring. To take God's power and to lift all up into the rightly balanced, fulfilled life that God has created for everyone created in His image. Now, Jesus, He recognizes this is His mission. This is part of his mission that he will seek to fulfill, that he will lead his people through. If you just turn the the page to chapter 4 of of Luke, you see in in his first sermon that he, he says as much, this is what he has come to do, Luke 4, verse 18 and 19. As he's quoting from the Old Testament and applying it to himself there in the synagogue, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what He came and what He did as He brought good news to the poor, as, as he released prisoners from captivity, as he gave sight to the blind, literally, and let the oppressed go free. So often we're, we're quick to spiritualize passages like this. You know, that we, well, the, the, those that are poor you know, in, in spirit, those that are oppressed spiritually, those that are um, uh, they're, they're, they're mistreated spiritually. And so Jesus has come to... to buoy up their soul and their spirit. Well, that's true, but that's not complete. It is for the whole self that Jesus came. The the fulfillment of of life physically, spiritually, emotionally, that's the the justice that that Jesus talks about here and that does as He 
you know, feeds the multitudes. As he brings sight to the blind. As he brings good news to those that are downtrodden. And this, again, as we talk about Christmas change, it's, it's not a, a change in God, but it's a, it's a change in how God reveals Himself to us and makes His very heart, His nature, even more clear and precise and calls us to change according to His character. Because it is the very heart of God to pursue justice and righteousness in real ways in the earth, in the world, in time, and in space. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24. Found on page 620. Actually, I'm going to read 23 and 24 as Jeremiah is speaking of the very nature of God. Thus says the Lord, Do not let the wise boast in their wisdom, Do not let the mighty boast in their might. Do not let the wealthy boast in their wealth. But let those who boast, boast in this, that they understand and know me. That I am the Lord. I act with steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. This is the heart of God. In the earth that righteousness and justice and mercy will be lived out. This is what the Lord delights in. And the change that Christmas brings is to say, go for it. People who know me. People who understand me. Go for it. Pursue justice, righteousness and mercy in real ways. In your lives with those that are around you, in your communities and neighborhoods, go for it because this is the heart of God. The change that Christmas is to bring on the earth in our lives. And then ultimately, that we see this change in Christmas is personified perfectly in Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, where the the Apostle Paul gives us and recounts this great hymn uh, of the the faith. And it's the first, one of the first hymns of of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 3. And we'll see how Jesus models this way of pursuing justice, righteousness for those that are around him. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself. Taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. 
This is the way of Jesus. The way of humility. The way that he did not hold on to his position in the throne of heaven, but relinquished it so that he might come and be born to a teenage girl and there live and die for us and for our salvation. And trusting and believing, relinquishing his own power, trusting and believing in the power of God, knowing that the Father would raise him up and exalt him at just the right time, which he did. Like Jesus then, we are charged as a community of Jesus followers to have the same mindset, to live into this crazy Christmas change of considering others more important than ourselves, of relinquishing our position, our stuff, even our security, in order to reach out to those that are broken, those that are downtrodden, those that are lowly, even relinquishing our own place in order to lift up those around us like Jesus did. To pursue... Justice in the name of Jesus, just like Jesus did, just like the prophets call us to do. To serve like Jesus served, no matter the cost. It's this call, it's this Christmas change as to why we as a church put so much attention and and focus and and energy into being aware of the the brokenness and needs that are around us and saying, how, God, are you calling us to engage, to come alongside, to, to do what Jesus would have us do? You know, uh, when, um, I, uh, we first moved here about eight years ago, um, now, I remember preaching, um, and I'm sure y'all all remember this sermon as well, um, in the first year or so where we talked about poverty in our city. And at the time, the poverty rate for children, for children under 18, people under 18, was 37% of the city of Cincinnati. The children that lived in the city limits of Cincinnati were poor. They lived under the poverty level according to federal guidelines. Today, that number is 51%. In eight years, it's moved to 51% of the children who live in Cincinnati live in poverty. And that's not right. That's broken. By any definition, that is not just. And so because of that, we as a church say, how do we engage into the needs of our city and in our community? How do we address the causes of that? How do we support the families in our community? How do we support the children in our community? That's why we have a partnership with Pleasant Hill School and why WizKid tutors and treehouse mentors, why we have FX night to gather families from the school and from the church together to support and encourage and help all um, together. It's why we, we partner with Christ's community and Feast of Love in order to to care for, provide food and and clothing and address at least the symptoms in that way. 
That's why a group of, of you, one of the missional communities of this church, says, you know, we, we see the, the foster care uh, problem and, and issues in our community, and we want to address those. And that's your thing that you're focusing on in pursuing the justice of Jesus. It's why a group will gather around homelessness and, and partners with the Interfaith Hospitality Network and other churches in our community, in our neighborhood, and say, how do we reach out to those that find themselves homeless for whatever reason? How do we support those families and those children? Many of you do other things where you connect with City Link or, or City Gospel or other items because you recognize you see that there are things that are around us that are not the way that Jesus would have them be and that Jesus in you won't let you just look at it but leads you to do something. Another item before us today, particularly, is as we try to serve like Jesus no matter the cost, we try and we seek in the power of His Holy Spirit to connect in Jesus no matter our differences. And, and we've been, been talking about together how in our community, in our nation, you know, race still divides us. The events over the, the past six months in Ferguson, Missouri, and in New York, and in Cleveland, and Beaver Creek, where each one an unarmed black man was killed by an officer and, and how that has raised huge discrepancies largely from how different people view the same events. It, it led a, a, a number of my colleagues to, to say that this Sunday is the Sunday where we're going to say black lives matter. One of my colleagues was even interviewed today by CNN to talk about that. And in my conversation with them, they said, you know, are you going to do something that black lives matter? You know, and I had to say, well, of course. Black lives matter. All lives matter. But we had a conversation to say, why would that even be an issue? How is that even coming up? How is that a question in, in your heart and in your mind? And which led to great conversations. A number of us, about 50 or 60 of his pastors met uh, Friday a week ago just to, to talk about that and how different people with different perspectives and different understandings who are followers of Jesus, sold out for Jesus, but have some very different perspectives, feelings, and responses to the events of the last six months. Uh, but, but, you know, one uh, shared with me, says, you know, are, let's just say these are isolated incidences. Well, when do a number of isolated incidences become a trend? And do you, do you realize that, you know, the African-American population in the United States is 13% of the population, 28% of the arrests, 40% of the inmates in prison and jails, and 42% of those that are on death row those kind of statistics, it's their experiences, how they viewed these events that make them ask the question that they're asking. And we, as a church here, God has, has so blessed us to be in a place to be able to have those kind of conversations. 
to be able to, to talk about that openly and honestly and listen to one another. Because the first step towards justice is listening to one another. The, the first step towards justice is really sitting and hearing one another without calling one another names or denying one another, but simply listening to one another. And we had the opportunity to do that about a week and a half ago. About 20 of us got together. I mentioned it a couple Sundays ago and said, you know, we're just going to get together. We're going to listen to one another. And we're going to talk about race. Um, to which then a whole bunch of you said, when are you going to do that? Because I'm busy. You know, whenever you're going to do that. Because that's a scary thing, isn't it? It's a scary thing to sit for many, for most, and say, yeah, let's talk about race. We don't have very many good models around us, at least in the media and around us. But we, as followers of Jesus then, are ready to stand in the gap and say, we're going to try to model that. Because we're connected by something greater than anything else. And that is the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He is our identity above all else. So because of that, then we can sit and we can gather and we can talk and we can take steps towards justice in our own lives. You know, as we gathered, you know, we share with each other how some people looked at the events of the last six months and saw an unarmed man killed. Others saw disrespect for authority. Others saw protests of injustice. And others saw unjust looting and destruction. All from the same events. And we listened and we heard one another and we took a step. Took a step towards justice. We moved, as um, uh, a fellow minister, of I, a friend of mine says, as, as we move in this way in the church, we move from integration to penetration. We move from just being in the same place to then moving to a place where we're starting to share from our hearts. And that takes real guts on your part as a church to move in there, trusting that God's Spirit will continue to hold us together, and we will get to be a model, a witness to the world around us. Now, I asked two folks who were there to share with us about how they were changed. As we talk about Christmas change, you know, what, what did you, you learn? How were you changed? How are you impacted by that? So I asked Eileen Boyle and Joe Brooks just to, to share with us how they... Um, were, were changed through, through that. Hi, my name's Eileen, and when I heard about this meeting coming up, I really didn't want to go. Um, I thought it was going to be a meeting where we're just going to discuss the actions that happened and, you know, were they right or were they wrong. And I got there, and Drew opened the meeting and I realized it's not about what we think. It's about what we feel and why we feel the way we do. Um, I had a lot of conflict. I had a lot of feelings. You know, I was a Christian, so I have feelings as a Christian woman, but I'm a person who grew up as a white person, so I had instant feelings based upon those experiences. I had 
feelings of people being, you know, injustice. You know, where's the justice on both sides? And I brought it out, and it ended up being a safe place to go. Nobody judged me. Nobody um, tried to correct me because feelings are right for each person. What you think can be wrong, but what you feel is always right for each person based upon the experiences that they've had in their lives, their history, their background, etc. And this was a safe place to expose those, but also to learn about feelings coming from, you know, the few courageous African-American brothers and sisters who came to that meeting. And I'm surprised, you know, that I'm not surprised. I'm humbled. I'm really humbled by the courage they had to come forward and talk. Because as scared as I was talking in a group of predominantly white people with my background, (laughs) they had to be so much more, you know, why are we talking? It always seemed like, you know, something happens, we'll have some talks, everything goes away, goes back to normal. How have I changed? Um, Some scales were taken from my eyes, Um, both in the meeting, uh, just really understanding where people are coming from with their feelings and why they feel the way they do so that we can alter our perception. It altered my perception. In the last two weeks at work, um, in the community, places I've been, I've seen examples of just inequality. You know, why can a white person stand there and say something and people laugh? But if it was a black person standing there, they'd say, call the cops. You know? Why do corporations choose to hold meetings in predominantly white businesses that don't have black owners? You know, to me, that's an injustice. That's something that needs to be corrected. Um, I just, you know, we're all Christian. We were all born in God's image, but we were all born different, you know, and how we're different should be embraced not put fear into our hearts. And so where I came away from this meeting is hopefully I'll have more scales removed from my eyes as I go forward. I pray to God that my awareness continues to grow and, you know, that I'm forgiven for those times when I perform the thoughts and injustices unknowingly to others. Like, Eileen, I was the same way. I was, my wife was talking to Drew, uh, sent the invitation. I was like, no, I don't want to go because it, it, it allowed me, or I had to go back to the place where I experienced, you know, injustice, you know, and talking amongst my peers or people of color like me understand, you know, I can't speak for every black race, you know, every black man or woman in here, but from my personal experience, you know, that I could have used that and, and looked at Ferguson and said, burn, baby, burn. But I seen the justice, the injustice, the looting that I didn't agree with. I understood the anger. But at the same time, you know, coming to this meeting allowed me to express myself and start healing. You know, I can just hold on to that and just say, you know what? You know, you do owe us, but you don't. But we are all Christians, like she said. You know, you know, I'm just happy to be a black Christian. She's a white Christian. I knew Eileen for over 12 years. And we learned so much from each other. And like Drew said, he, it was a safe place. You know, and, and I wish it could have been more, but God just ordained that for the, the, the individuals that was there at that time. So for me, 
it allowed me to see things differently, to understand as culturally we are different. We have different experience. I can sit up here and talk about uh, labor pains all I want to, but unless I experience the birth of a child, I can only just listen. And that's how and Drew made that happen for us to listen and just like, wow, I never knew that. But it allowed me to go back and bring Jesus to it. You know what I'm saying? It's like I can't change what happened, but I can heal. Because I don't know if we uh, want to speak on this, but that's one of the fruits of the Spirit. In Galatians 5.22, it's long-suffering. He never said it was going to be easy. We just had to trust God as he suffered on the cross to say it is finished. We just got to walk hand in hand and just trust God because we can make it happen. You know, not Fox, CNN, MSNBC, whoever, or the media, because we the media. You know, we can just, just go with the flow or just be different. Set aside like Christ calls to be. And I don't want to be too long, Drew, but I'm just thankful and I'm looking forward to the next meeting because it helped me and I need to go back because there's areas in me where I didn't know that it caused me to be uncomfortable. It caused me to t- turn away from Eileen for a minute. But at the same time, I said, Lord, what's going on? But then I embraced her because I was like, wow. I had the patience to stay and listen because she didn't know me like I didn't know her. But yet, we sat there and at the end of the, at the, end of the, uh, the um the meeting, we just sat there and laughed, everybody joking. I stepped back and looked. I said, this is a multicultural church. Whether you belong to College Hill, House of Joy, First Baptist, Second Baptist, it doesn't matter. It's not about denomination. It's about bringing Christ into the situation. Amen. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Dear gracious God, we give you thanks for your hand um, upon us as we in the midst of our own brokenness and and foibles, our own idiosyncrasies, our own fallenness, we we seek to follow after you, that your spirit to continue to to give life uh, to us. Uh, to, to bring that, that healing that, that you promised to bring, the, to, to, to take the, the scales from our eyes, to uh, help us to move out of our blindness, uh, out of our captivity, by, by your power, by your living in us. And that in so doing, we might be a, a witness to those around us, that they might see Jesus even more clearly and turn and follow, join in line in that heavenly parade of walking after you in ways of justice and grace and mercy. We, we lift up one another to you, Lord, uh, for those in need of your healing touch. Uh, we continue to pray for Tom Chaporis and, and Ann Rainey, who's in uh, Mercy West this week. And uh, we, we pray your healing hand upon each of them. We pray your healing will continue um, for Gordon Houston, who is um, released from Children's Hospital this week, for Nate Smith, who was released for Children's Hospital, for Linda Breedemeyer and Barbara Houston, as they were um, released from the hospital, and Alan McKinney as he recovers from surgery. We pray your healing hand upon each one for your glory, for your honor, uh, to show forth the change that Christmas brings, the healing that comes physically, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. We give you praise for your power at work in us and in our community. And we give ourselves to you that that power and might will continue to show itself in and through us. 
that, that we will continue down the, the steps of righteousness and justice until we see you face to face. We look forward to that day. But until then, continue in your power and authority alive in us that we would walk as your church without walls. Hear us as we pray together to be your church without walls. Not just saying words, but continuing to be changed by you as you change the very desires of our heart to be in more and more in alignment with the ways of Jesus. Dear God, make us into your community for your glory. Connect us in Jesus no matter our differences. Lead us to serve the world like Jesus, no matter the cost. Help us to celebrate you, no matter the circumstances. We need you, Holy Spirit, to empower us for greater works than Jesus. Amen. Now, we have...